This podcast was recorded on the unceded and ancestral lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Hello, hello, Discasters. I hope you're all having a wonderful week. Hope you got some sunshine and you're taking care of yourselves. Uh, some positive news on my end. Hey, I got the monkeypox vaccine. Yay, vaccines. Uh, yeah, I was able to get it through this uh, job that I'm doing, uh, working for some outreach. And yeah, so that's really exciting. I'm glad to know that I've got that already checked off. Uh, it For me, it went really fine. I've, I've never been one to get side effects from vaccines and that sort of thing. I didn't get anything even from my COVID ones. So, yeah, so I'm feeling all right. Uh, I know some people that have been, like, knocked on their ass for with it. As I do believe this is a live vaccine, I think. And so, yeah, it's a little more, uh, it's a bit more of a bitch. But, yeah, so if you have the opportunity, if you have the chance, go for it. If you are eligible, I highly recommend it uh, just for your own safety and for the safety of others. Just to, you know, just make sure everyone everything's cool and everyone's good. Uh, yeah, so just to kick things off, uh, some quick uh, Disney headlines here, of course, as we always do at the start of the show. Um, this first headline is actually from Disneyland Paris, regarding Disneyland Paris. Um, July 20th, Disneyland Paris is going to host a virtual launch party for uh, the Avengers Campus that's uh, being opened up over there. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, if I recall correctly, the Avengers Campus is going to have sections in, uh, well, of course, we already know it's in Disneyland, in DCA, uh, of course, Disneyland Paris, and I think the third one is going to be in um, Disney World. I think it's going to be in Hollywood Studios. I think that's the plan, uh, but that's exciting. So, yeah, so it looks like they're doing a dedication ceremony uh, tomorrow at 7.40 p.m. Uh, I'm going to assume that's their time. I'm going to assume that all these times are going to be local time of Paris. I can't remember what that is. I, I, I don't remember what the local time of Paris is. Uh, 11 p.m. is the Avengers Assemble moment. I assume that's just they're going to bring all the uh, all the cast members that are going to be portraying the uh, Avengers. They're going to all come together and they're going to showcase who's going to be at the campus. And then on Sunday the 10th uh, at 11 a.m. is creating Avengers Campus Conference. So that's exciting. Uh, let's see. All three of these will be on YouTube, uh, but the previous two, the ones on the ninth, will be available on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So there'll be plenty of places to catch it. Uh, and then I think the actual um, grand opening live stream is on the 20th. Uh, no words on when. Oh no, sorry. I'm reading this entirely wrong. The park the park opens on the 20th. The virtual launch party is this weekend. I'm sorry. I completely read that weird. <laughs> anyway, uh, so this so that's cool. Uh, just kind of keep your eyes open for those. Uh, hashtag Avengers Campus Paris. That'll be exciting. Uh, and yeah, so that's that one. Um, this next one. This is an so this is an interesting article. Uh, it's regarding so the. Article headline is, Where Have the Disney Villains Gone? And this is interesting because this is actually a conversation that I've had with people. Like, I've actually had this conversation with friends 
Um, in recent years, with a lot of like the most recent kind of uh, major Disney titles, there haven't been set villains. Like there haven't been obvious examples of villains. Like in Frozen Two, there wasn't one. In Moana, there, uh, I mean, kind of a villain, kind of pseudo, very soft villain. Um. Let me think. Oh, I'm blanking on like everything that's ever come out now. <laughs> My brain is just like, nope, gone. Um, but like in in recent years, like the uh, we've had uh, Doctor Facilier, we've had Mother Gothel, uh, even you know, uh, what's his name from freaking um, uh, the first Frozen. Uh, Coco had a villain, and The Incredibles two had villains, but you know. Hans, that was his name. Um, but even then, like, I mean, like, yeah, they were villains, but they, they were also twist villains. Uh, so kind of, I, I would see those as softer villains. Uh, and then, oh, uh, of course, in Encanto, there wasn't a villain either. And so it's, even in a couple Disney, or not Disney, sorry, uh, in uh, Pixar titles, there haven't been some ma some solid, solid villains, right? Um, for, like, in Luca, there, were, there really wasn't one. Um, in turning red, there wasn't one, and so I think, I think right now we're in a moment, we're in a time in like the Disney slots, where the villains are not necessarily concrete characters. The villains are the environment and the relationships that you have with people that can manifest in certain ways, because a lot of what's come come through in some of these previous in one of, in some of these newer villains is external uh well, I'm, well of course villains are generally external but i mean like in in that i mean like they are or no sorry no they're not external they're internal they're internal villains so like whether they're with relationships with your family uh or with your friends or even with yourself right and i think these these examples of villains i do think matter and i think they are important because it seems like nowadays we're we're at a point i think where people because uh the concept of like going to therapy and taking care of yourself and making sure your mental health is okay because those are major topics that are happening nowadays i think people are taking that to heart and really kind of using that as uh you know writing tools and so a lot of what we're seeing is people kind of not necessarily venting themselves, but they're they're showcasing examples of uh, what they're dealing with, and I think these are things that are much easier to resonate with people. Like it's so much easier when you look at a movie like Turning Red or Encanto to vibe with a villain that we all kind of understand, you know. Us POC, uh, us POCs, you know, dealing with those parents or grandparents who have such set standards for you because it's what the culture demands. And then you not being not, not being as married to that culture as they are, because, of course, you didn't necessarily grow up with it. And so you're the one kind of differing. And then that becomes a problem. Right. And for some of us, that really resonates. And I think that's 
coming to a head now because we're definitely at a time where analyzing one's, you know, one's history and uh, finding the root of our issues is becoming more and more prevalent and more and more important. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm making sense. It makes sense in my brain. (laughs) Uh, And the question is, of course, will these classic, air quote, Disney villains return? I think they will. And I think, I mean, like with like, for example, with Lightyear, like the you have uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I know for a fact Zerg is in it because duh. Um, So there's like a concrete villain, but I would I I wouldn't necessarily put uh, Lightyear up to the kind of standards that I'm talking about in regards to um, relating to a villain. But who knows? I don't know. I think I, th- I think eventually the the classic villain will come back, and hopefully with that means also the classic villain song, because of course you know that's something that Disney has also been very uh, pretty famous for. And uh, so yeah, so we'll see what happens in the ne- in the in the next coming you know years and releases. We'll see how we'll see how they do that, and we'll see what comes next. But for now, we're gonna talk about this movie the little mermaid 2 return to the sea yay (laughs) oh gods okay so here's my reaction to this movie and i'm sitting i'm sitting here like rubbing my face like oh god i gotta talk about this this movie is terrible like it's awful (laughs) it was an animated direct-to-video sequel uh produced by the Walt Disney Television Animation which was of course you know they were the one that were like they were the ones pumping out a bunch of those uh direct to video um what's it called like direct to video uh sequels and things and boy oh boy so yeah um this and it's wild because when you look at some of the other films that the studio has done, they are so like there's there looking at some of the ones that we've discussed, like for example, Pooh's Grand Adventure, The Search for Christopher Robin. That one I genuinely enjoyed. Um, I'm trying to see if there was uh, Cinderella, okay, Cinderella 2 Dreams Come True wasn't very good. Uh, this studio did not do Cinderella 3, which is interesting. Uh, but this studio did a Goofy movie, uh, which is a brilliant movie. And we'll get to that later when we're discussing... Uh, after we're finished the main movies of the Renaissance, we'll come back and talk about a Goofy movie. Um, they also did Return to Neverland, which is another one that we talked about, which, again, is kind of... Eh, it's not great. It's not awful, but it's also not great. Um... And, yeah, and, like, a bunch of uh, feature films that were just, like, kind of made for, uh, that were on television that were never actively released. But, ultimately, the studio did not do a good job at all with this movie, and I will, and I, and I will tell you why. So, a big portion of this movie is animated in such a style that, comes off as incredibly lazy to me um so much of the animation and like character characteristic or i guess like the 
the uh, the mannerisms of the characters is so overdramatic. Everything is overdramatic. The mouths don't move properly to match the um to match the speak, like to match the speech coming out of it. And I mean like I've seen some bad lip dubbing and it it can it can be done well. Like for example, um like when you look at anime, for example, the mouth movements don't match to the lip dubbing, uh, even in the Japanese original Japanese language. Like it, it, it doesn't. But it's done in such a way that it doesn't. It's not jarring. It's not distracting. It works. I don't know how. I don't know why they. Are. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. But in this film, they do not. It is terrible. It is so bad. Um, there are only, there are only really three songs in this movie. There's um, "Down to the Sea," which is the in, which is the first movie, or sorry, not first movie, uh, first song, which kind of kicks off the movie. There's a second song with uh, what is it? For a moment, I guess. No, it's not that song. I'm looking at the song list, and I can't even see. There's a song. There's a song where um, that uh, she sings. That melody sings. Melody being, of course, the um, uh, the uh, the name of Ariel's daughter, of whom this movie revolves around. There's a song that she sings, uh, kind of after becoming a mermaid. Uh, I know. I don't know if it's even spoilers at this point. I don't even care necessarily. Uh, <laughs> Um, I think, I think she's a mermaid, like, on the, oh, no, she's not a mermaid on the, on the cover art, but still. Uh, but there's a song that she sings that she does kind of a duet with Ariel, and there's another song called Tip and Dash, which introduces these two characters that are basically Timon and Pumbaa, uh, and then there's a reprise of the first song called Here on the Land and Sea. It's kind of like a reprise of the second part of that first song, because the first song is kind of in two parts. Anyway, but yeah, so I wouldn't even necessarily call this movie a musical. It refers to it as a musical, but I disagree, like vehemently. I disagree that the song is that this movie is a musical, uh, because I don't think it has enough songs in to be considered a musical. Any hoozles. Uh, so just a quick rundown of the plot of this movie. Uh, so it starts off with uh, Ariel and Eric celebrating the birth of their dollar melody. Uh, everybody comes out to see, like, they're on a ship. Uh, coming out to sea to show King Triton the, uh, the new baby. Everyone's celebrating. They're singing a song. It's all, yay. This is that song, Down uh, uh, down to Sea, Down down to the Sea. Uh, so this is them. Everybody's singing the song. Everyone's happy and jovial. Everyone's having a great time. And then suddenly uh, appears uh, this random half-octopus lady named Morgana who turns out to be Ursula's sister. So apparently Ursula has a sister surprise and Ursa and Morgana is pissed at the outcome of her sister uh she threatens to like feed Melody to her pet tiger shark undertow unless Triton surrenders the trident of course Triton uh Triton is like ready to do it and then Ariel comes in kind of saves the day foils Morgana's plans uh saves the baby and then Triton turns the tiger shark into like a like a tiny little piranha looking guy and then Morgana, like, 
flees, right? And so the idea is that they're afraid that Morgana will come back and uh, uh, capture Melody, hurt her, whatever. And so they're like, okay, well, we we must search for her. And then no, nothing comes up. She She's vanished at this point. So Ariel decides to keep Melody from the sea and kind of forever never tell her where she comes from kind of thing. You know that's you know that whole story. Twelve year, flash forward twelve years later, and uh, oh, and uh, uh, Triton assigned Sebastian to watch over Melody. Twelve years later, uh, Melody is you know, turns out she's sneaking out. She's swimming in the ocean when she shouldn't be. She's making friends with a bunch of fish and blah blah blah. She, you know, she has no qualms about the fact that these fish are talking to her. Well, probably because she kind of, she must have like, or she must have grown up talking to Sebastian and so talking to other fish and everything. So like, yeah, she kind of grew up with like some, some fish stories as she refers to, to Atlantica later on in the film. Uh, and it's like, so it's the eve of her birthday. Uh, she's out there doing her own thing. There's a party be- being planned with Ariel and Eric and everything. Uh and, like, this this part of the thing is very, like, there's parts of this movie that are, like, they tried really hard to kind of uh, parallel the plot a little bit. So, like, this part of the film is, like, the, the same part in the first film when Ariel was, like, off discovering about humans and going to the surface uh, and stuff like that. She's reminded of the party and she's like, oh, my God, the party, kind of like how Ariel was reminded about the concert. So there was definitely, like, me, like parallel moments. Uh, anyway, and so she, uh, she's talking to Sebastian and she's about the, like, she goes on about how, oh, like my mom would never understand. She has no idea, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, we're all like, girl, you clearly do not know your mother, <laughs> uh, which is kind of the part of the point, right? So she remembers about the party. She goes back to the castle. Everyone's running around trying to find her. She sneaks back in, uh, gets dressed, comes down to the birthday, She's all like, oh, my God, I'm so different. Oh, nobody understands me. I'm so weird. You know, it's that whole thing. I normally don't mind that trope. I normally don't mind that part of a story, but I think it's just because this movie is just so bad. I just don't like it. I just don't, period. (laughs) Anyway, so Ariel, like, tries to calm her down, tries to be like, hey, you know, whatever. You know, you're fine. You're cool. You're, You're a little girl. You'll learn and stuff. Uh, anyway, so she goes down to the birthday. She tries to act normal. Uh, Sebastian ends up like snapping the fingers of some boy who's like who's like dancing with her. He freaks out. He lands in the cake. Uh, she goes to talk to him, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, she's talking to the crab. Mirror, mirror, mirror. She's so weird." Ha ha ha! And everybody tries to laugh at her. She gets all sad. Uh, Louis, the chef, comes back to try and like chop up Sebastian again. How he rem- how how he knows who Sebastian is like I'm gonna say 13 or 14 years later is absolute bonkers. It's just it doesn't make sense. How would he know? It's just another fucking crab. Like there's no way he would know it's the same crab. There's no way. Anyway, so a chase happens and it's weird because you have this dichotomy of like you have this weird, quirky, fun stuff that's happening with Louis trying to kill Sebastian. And then you have the existential crisis that's going on with Melody being like, oh, I'm so sad. I'm weird. And so she like runs upstairs to her room. and She's like crying. Anyway, uh, so she's back up in her room. Sebastian ends up escaping. It's fine. Uh, Nothing ever happens with that. So there's generally no point. 
it's purely just for a callback. A lot of this movie is callbacks. Anyway, uh, and so she's up in her room. She's, like, looking at all the fun shells she found and stuff. And she finds this one shell, and she kind of wipes it while Ariel comes in tries to console her. And she wipes it. She says, why does this shell have my name on it? It says Melody on it. She opens it, and it's a locket that uh, Triton gave her when she was a baby. Um, But after kind of the self-imposed isolation, Triton didn't give her the locket. And so he kind of, like, dropped it in the ocean. And so she ends up finding it because they were that close to the castle. And... uh, yeah, and so what happens is she finds it, she opens it, she sees a vision of, like... Because, like, it's not, like, a regular locket. It's, like, a magic locket that, like, when she opens it, it creates, like, this bubble hologram of Atlantica and, like, mermaids swimming around. And she's, like, she's lo- staring at it. And she's, like, oh, my God, it's Atlantica and everything. And I'm, like, girl, you're holding a magical locket. Are you not going to comment on that? Are you just going to leave that? And it's, like, I don't know. I want to say it's uh, it's 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 hard to believe that it would go this way. But then I'm also talking about a movie in which like mermaids exist. But I, th- I feel like it's like, it's breaking its own rules within the established world. This kind of magic isn't a thing on the surface. It's a thing in, it's a thing underwater and in, in, in Atlantica, which is fine, but it's not a thing in the surface world. Right. And so if Melody has never seen anything to do with Atlantica or the magic therein, how would why how is it that she would not react to the fact that she's holding a magical locket? Does that make sense? Because she's never ha- she's never related or associated with magic in any other way. I guess the closest thing would be to the fact that she can speak to 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 animals. But the assumption is that anyone can speak to animals. Right. Because there's no real distinction because like they they make a point in the original movie uh, during Kiss the Girl when Sebastian is whispering in Eric's ear, Ariel, her name is Ariel. Eric hears it. Eric hears him very clearly. And so it's established in this in this world, air quotes, that and that these sea animals can speak to humans. Right. Anyway. So that so that part of the thing is believable. So that's why it's not weird when she's able to talk to other fish, uh, when Melody is able to talk to fish while she's a human, because it's already been established that they can do that. So it's like you're holding this magic locket in your hand and you're not going to freak out about it. That's that's weird. That's weird. That's breaking its own rule. Anyway, so Ariel sees the locket. She freaks out about it. She's like, how did you come across this? You deliberate it. She's like totally deflecting. Meanwhile, Melody's like, I just want answers. And Ariel's like, no, I'm not going to give you any answers. So she's totally deflecting. Melody gets mad. She runs away. Uh, this whole thing, this whole movie is basically just the fact that like Ariel, Ariel could easily have just explained everything, but she just didn't want to. And it's kind of that whole thing where it's like the plot of this movie would never have occurred the way it would never ha- would not have happened the way that it did if only there was good communication. If Ariel had sat Melody down and been like, this is why we're keeping you away from the ocean. There is an evil witch who is trying to, who wants to, who wants to capture you because she wants to hold you ransom in order to gain the powers of the sea because your grandfather is Triton. Boom. Like it's, it's so hard it's hard to believe these kinds of plots now 
because it's like if if there was just good communication, then everything then everything would have been fine. There would have been no conflict, or at least the conflict that in which the um there would not have been this specific conflict. Maybe they could have created some other conflict, but this specific one that occurs in this movie would never have occurred. It would never have happened if Ariel had just been honest with Melody. Anyway, so Melody goes off. She goes off to the sea. She's in like a rowboat. She just rows herself out to sea. She's like, if I can't get answers at home, then I'm going to find answers my own way. And it's bonkers because she's like, I'm just going to row out to sea, whatever. And it's like, cool, you're a 12-year-old who's rowing out to the middle of the ocean because you think you're going to find answers. Like, okay, sure. And so um, Morgana is like in some weird ice fortress. I don't know how I don't it's never it's not established where she is exactly except that she's surrounded in ice. And so it's it's assumed she's somewhere super cold uh in which ice fortresses can be a thing. Uh and so she sees a vision of uh of Melody uh because of course she has all the powers of Ursula. She's another sea witch basically. Um and sends her uh, pet shark undertow to go and find her and then lure her to, the, to, to herself. So she does that. Uh, Ariel and Eric go off and they're like, we have to find, we have to find her. And so Triton's like, okay, cool. Uh, let's do this. And so Ariel's like, I'm going back or, or no, Eric's like, you got to go back to the ocean. Eric's like, okay, cool. And so she gets turned back into a mermaid. The funny thing about the mermaid transformation sequence is that like Ariel has her hair up in a bun and then while she's transforming, her hair comes down. It's all like flowy, and then she loses her like her entire dress, and she goes back to the seashells and the and the green tail. And it's like cool. So you just magically lost your shirt. Like, okay, sure. It's just the transformation sequence is just very very weird. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and so uh, Melody finds Morgana. And Morgana basically lies to Melody being like, this is who you are, or, or not this is who you are, but like, uh, your destiny lies in the sea, and so turns her into a mermaid. Uh, Melody's all, all excited and everything, and Morgana basically tells her this, like, I could turn you into a into a mermaid permanently if only I had my, tri- my trident, which was stolen from me, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so, yeah, so that's how she kind of makes her go to Atlantica. So she goes, so Morgana sends Melody uh, on a journey to steal the trident, the trident uh, from Triton. Now this is where we get that song that she sings that she sings with with Ariel. Um, it's not a good song. None of the songs in this movie are good. They're all bad. Every single one of them is bad, which is a hell of a departure from the original, where every song is a banger. But any whoozles. So they sing the song. Melody's all excited. She has this weird map that doesn't really tell her anything. Uh, she ends up losing the map. Uh, and then this is where we meet uh, Tip and Dash, who are a penguin and a walrus, respectively. And the idea is that these two characters are trying to be heroes. They're trying to do what they can to, like, you know, be good. Um, and they're not very good at it. And so we find out that they're... This is kind of where we get an idea of where Morgana lives. We get the idea that Morgana lives most likely in the Antarctic. 
because of the fact that there are so many penguins. Now, that isn't to say that penguins don't live anywhere else, but the assumption is that she's somewhere at least close to Antarctica because of the fact that there's the ice fortress plus the penguins that she's nearby, right? So it's like, okay, so that's where you are. And so, but then where is the kingdom that Ariel and Eric uh, rule over? Like, how close to Antarctica are you? to be able to get there so fast and easily because there isn't much of a time jump in regards to like when when they're going to and from right uh anyway so tip and dash try and save this little penguin the the saving doesn't exactly go well everyone's okay but like they kind of do it in a real bumbly way uh and then they kind of get like like shoved off or whatever melody meets them they become friends they sing the song tip and dash which is okay I mean, that's probably the only good song in the movie, but that's not saying much. The bar is very low. And so they become friends, and then they go to Atlantica. And then they go to Atlantica. So now we're back to Atlantica. Again, they swam there on their own. So the question is, like, how far are they? There's no real – like, this This is the most suspension of disbelief uh, that just needs to be done for this portion. It's wild. Um, so they're back there at Atlantica. And then in Atlantica, they sneak in. Uh, Melody bumps into a very handsome mer boy. Uh, why they included this, I don't know. It's pointless. It doesn't. It doesn't amount to anything. Uh, so it just happens. Uh, it's like a failed attempt at a meet cute. And then they go deeper into the castle. Uh, they sneak into the throne room. They find the trident. Uh, there they see Triton, uh, kind of like. Uh, wallowing and being like, no, we must keep searching and everything. And, like, the idea behind this scene is that because Ar- Ariel's also there, too, and so, like, there's this whole, like, they're, like, right next to each other kind of thing. It- it's supposed to create tension, but it doesn't. It doesn't do it in, like, it-, it does it terribly. It doesn't do a good job of it at all. Uh, and so Melody sneaks up, steals the trident, and apparently she can because she is a member of the royal bloodline, which is just something that they included just randomly. Probably just to explain just that one thing. How is it that she can do it so easily? And why was the trident just left there? Because that's the other thing is that the trident is just literally sitting there like on a like on a pedestal. No guards, no nothing. So presumably it's because it's enchanted so that only members of the bloodline can remove it from its pedestal. Right. So there you go. Uh, anyway, so she steals it, they kind of swim away, um, they freak out because the trident is there, um, they find the locket, because she drops the locket, because reasons, uh, and then they're like, oh no, what the hell, but also that doesn't really amount to anything either, like, they're, they tried to lay some things down, but it just didn't work, um, there's two manta rays that are like that are Morgana's pets very similar to Flotsam and Jetsam uh that are named Cloak and Dagger that Morgana kind of sends off to go and make sure that Melody uh doesn't stray or that she is able to find her way back and so Ariel sees these two manta rays because they're not very well hidden they're just swimming through the palace like what the fuck (laughs) and so Ariel follows them back to the uh Uh, to the fortress, uh, or to the ice fortress. Uh, Melody gives the trident to Morgana. Ariel tries to stop her. She fails. Uh, 
this is where Melody kind of learns the truth about her mom being a mermaid and all this other stuff. Uh, Morgana betrays her, seals her in a like in a cavern, and is like, "Oh, by the way, you're almost out of time for being a, mer- a mermaid. Oh no, you're gonna die." Basically, kind of seals her in, and then try and then Triton with like the rest of his army show up. Uh, Scuttle was sent off to go find uh, to go find more help, and so Prince Eric and like a bunch of other like sailors come in with like a ship. I don't know how they got there so fast. Don't even ask. Like, it's it's just ridiculous. And so Morgana uh, is there. Uh, she's all drunk on power and has the tridents and everything, and she's forcing everybody to kneel. Um, Melody almost drowns, but she turns uh, – but Morgana turns Undertow back into a big tiger shark. He's chasing Tip and, uh, Tip and Dash around. They end up smashing into the cavern that Melody is in, so Undertow gets knocked out. Tip and Dash save Melody by pulling her back to the surface because she's already transformed back into a human at this point. And so she's, like, just about to drown, but then they save her. Uh, and so Morgana is, like, forcing all of the mer people to bow to her because she's now queen of the, the ocean. Melody climbs the, the ice fortress and, like, steals back the trident and throws it back to her grandfather. It's a very, very easy, like, it, it's over in less than a minute, she has a trident, and then suddenly she doesn't. It's very underwhelming. And then Triton is like, you will no longer be a threat, and, like, zaps her, ter- like, seals her in a block of ice. And then that's the end of Morgana. And then now uh, Melody is kind of given a choice, be like, look, you are part of two worlds. Uh, you can choose where to go to come back to go to go back with Triton to the to the world of the Mer people or stay on land with her parents. And she's like, I have a better idea. And like the ins- the assumption is that the two worlds combine because like they take down the wall. Uh, and so, like she stays as a human, stays on land, but has a connection to the ocean. And like th- the idea is that she reconnects both the the ocean life with the land life. So it's this happy ending. And then it's the reprise of that song, uh, of the of the opening song, which uh, the name escapes me again. Uh, Here on the land and sea, uh, yeah. So that's that's it. That's that's the movie basically. It's not good. <laughs> uh, the weird things are like Morgana's motivations are all over the place. First, it starts off when she first shows up. It seems like her motivation is revenge because she wants revenge against Triton for, or Triton and Ariel, I guess, uh, for killing her sister, right? But then later on, she's talking about how it's like she she was always very resentful of Ursula because Ursula always got the attention from their mother, and so Morgana always felt like she was second best. So now the the now it, the assumption is her motivation is to try and one up her sister. And then it kind of goes, and then it goes to, like, trying to prove herself to her mother. So it, like, moves. Like, Morgana's motivations just move all over the place. And it's bonkers. And it's weird. Uh, the biggest thing that I noticed, uh, aside from the animation being not good, is the voice directing in this film is terrible. And it's really upsetting because the cast of this movie is like a legitimately good cast. Like for Ariel, we have Jodie Benson returning, of course. 
And for Melody, we have Tara Strong, who at the time is credited as uh, uh, Tara Sharandoff. Samuel E. Wright is back as Sebastian. Morgana was voiced by Pat Carroll, who was voiced of Ursula. So she ba- they were basically like, Ursula, come back. Go play your sister. Cool. Rob Paulson is Prince Eric. Like, these are not vet- – like, these are veteran voice actors at the very least. And – even even looking at Rob Paulson and Tara Strong, like looking at their IMDb, you have heard them. You have heard these voice actors like Tara Strong, just as like just to name a few of her characters. Uh, like she was uh, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl in the new Batman Adventures. She was uh, Raven in Teen Titans. Uh, she was Timmy Turner uh, in Fairly Odd Parents. She was Dill Pickles in Rugrats and All Grown Up. She's Bubbles in The Powerpuff Girl. She's Ben Tennyson in Ben 10. Uh, she's Twilight Sparkle, for God's sake. Like, she has a hell of an IMDb. Like, Tara Strong, you have heard this voice. And she is phenomenal in everything I've ever heard her in. There's, I've never been disappointed until this movie. Now, granted, the movie came out in 2000. Uh, and I believe she, uh, I'm not actually sure when she started acting. Um, I think her earliest credit is, when is her earliest credit actually? Uh, oh no, I can't find it. But regardless, like I've listened to her work and she's amazing. She's so good. And Rob Paulson. Rob Paulson is another is another actor whom has done so many like he's he was Raphael in the 1987 Ninja Turtles he was Donatello in the 2012 Ninja Turtles he's Yakko Warner uh, he uh, Yakko Warner Doctor Otto Scratching and Pinky uh, Carl Weezer from Jimmy Neutron uh, like just naming things off the top of my head like he's such a good voice actor he is so good. But in this movie, him because he he plays Eric in this movie is so underwhelming, and it is so upsetting. Even Jody Benson, whom going from Ariel to this version of Ariel, it's night and day. So whoever voice directed this film deserves to be fired because they did an awful job. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I keep like tearing up tearing this movie apart but it's just it's not good like it's not it's not good uh the reception of melody apparently uh is was well received by both critics and little mermaid fans to who praise her emotional relationship with ariel character growth likability and tara strong's performance all of these i disagree <laughs> i mean her relationship with her mother is very is is very tropey and is like a classic um and like i don't know it's not special it's just basically that misunderstood daughter that goes against that goes against her parents wishes to try and find herself like it's not necessarily a special thing right and I don't know. They say that Melody is one of Tara Strong's favorite characters. Is is okay. Well, maybe t- it may have been one of Tara's favorite characters to voice. 
but it definitely was not her strong like it was not a strong performance in comparison to some of the other things that she's done like no 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 no. have you heard her raven or bubbles like those are good characters i don't know just it's not good it's not a good movie um unless you're like a legitimate diehard fan of the little mermaid and feel like you want to watch like the the sequels that go along with it then fine go ahead but otherwise skip it skip this movie it's not good i give it i don't even know like i'm gonna i'm gonna be generous i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a three i'm gonna give it a three out of ten and that's only because if anything it's only because of the cast just because of the cast this is the only reason i can think of like i'm never watching this movie again this movie's terrible at least none of my own volition. Anyway, <laughs> so that's that movie. I'm sorry I had to subject you to that. And I'm sorry I sounded so negative about it. It's just, it did not, it did nothing for me. It's not a good movie. And I can't even say, like, I can't even bring nostalgia into it because, like, and I'm a, I'm a pretty nostalgic person. But just this movie is terrible. It's just not good. It's not good. Anyway. Next week, we're going to go into the third sequel. Oh, hold on. Sorry. Uh, oh, there's... I wanted to try and give like a... Oh, that's right. There, are, There is no box office because it was never released to the theater. <laughs> anyway, uh, so next movie we're doing is the third Little Mermaid sequel. Uh, it is The, uh, the Little Mermaid Ariel's Beginning, uh, which came out in 2008. This is a prequel. Uh, this is another film done by uh, Toon City or T Disney Toons, uh, Disney Toon Studios, uh, whom I believe we've also touched on in the past in terms of uh, like what movies that we've seen them do. Uh, anyway, we'll touch on that next time. Oh, they're the ones that did Cinderella 3, which was in time. Okay, so that's good because that's a, that one I legitimately enjoyed. Uh, anywho, so yeah, so next week we're going to discuss uh, The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Beginning, which is the prequel, uh, and yeah, we'll see how that goes. So until next time, uh, I hope you all do well, uh, sending you all love and everything. Uh, eat your food, drink your water, take your meds, get some sleep, get some sunshine, get some air, you know, take care of yourselves, uh, give yourselves a great big hug just because hugs are good, and we'll check in with you all next time. Bye! <laughs>